We're going to keep this going. As long as we keep it going, Walter, you're going to copy paste into our... I'll, I'll just read him. I'll just read him. I'll just read it right from here. So, oh, so the first, but we'll lose him eventually. I'll start. No, no, no. I, I got it. I got it. Uh, so the first question: Where can I get baptized into the Church of God Given? There is a sheet right behind me, folks. This this nice sheet that's hanging up. I literally just take that down. There's a door there, and that's where my altar is. So yeah, just come find me uh, in somewhere in New York State, and you can be baptized in the uh, in the Church of Forgiven. It's officially a uh, a tax free organization. I'm dead serious. It's a tax-free organization. I don't pay any taxes. I'm just like Donald Trump. Hey, man. If uh, <laughs> if John Oliver can form a religion, you can too. Don't don't let your memes be dreams. Actually, that was That's a book written by Stephen Colbert called "I Am America," and so can you. Yeah, I've read that book. It's, it's a, a great. It's book. a fantastic book. All of, uh, everything Stephen Colbert is pretty wonderful. It's a fantastic um, book. Yardy asks. Um, you know, which team are you going to remove from the uh, from Group C for KT? Uh, this was a question I asked during the break for those of you who were sticking around just as a nice little thought experiment. The idea was if we had the fourth place Korean team, which would have been KT Rolster, and we put them in Group C because we already have Koreans in all three groups, uh, do you think that they would be the number one seed? Uh, when I pose that question, uh, any of them. Replace any of those teams. Uh, probably INTZ is the easiest. We say that only let's say only one wildcard team made it through. I think Albus Knox was still the best wildcard team, so I'm fine saying that INTZ doesn't get out. And I don't think the best wildcard team was here, but okay. Yeah, well, well um, I, think I watched that entire tournament. I, I Leon, Leon I was by far the better one, better team. They just got. I think that Albus Knox just had the right play style to beat them. That's, I that think was my that, thoughts on that. I think that Leon Gaming had some flaws that we've seen from them in multiple international tournaments before. And while I, I think they did very well for who they were, um, I was surprised to see it happen. I would not expect it to happen again. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, may, maybe Leon Gaming will, will come back next year and surprise me. But either way, whoever you replace in Group C, I think they were better than any of the teams that were in Group C. I think that the gap between Korea and everything else, if we've learned anything from Samsung Galaxy, that's just where things are right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to, uh, to say it, but that's just, um, you know, it, there are a lot of really good teams in Korea. And until Riot helps lower those barriers, more international tournaments, more ability for teams who really think that they can handle that kind of environment and get the chance to play at that level, well, we're going to have a, a hard time here. Um, Walter, what's the next question? I, I've been saving them uh, on this. Yeah, so the next next question I see is, at Rough Dress Podcast, will you guys do a fan meetup in New York? I would love to meet you guys in person. Uh, my birthday is October 23rd, which is that Sunday. So I'm coming down with a couple of friends. I know Chase is coming um, to take his cousin, I think, to the show. So I am sure sometime... I know definitely Saturday night I will be going out to enjoy myself and Chase's absolutely welcome to that um <laughs> but yeah if you guys want to meet either of us like just ping us on twitter like we'll, yeah absolutely we'll come say hi to you guys i want to be sure. recognized and have a fan take a photo with me that would make me so happy when we're at the event i'm i'm sure in between games walter and i can ping you guys let us know where we are at the very least we want to ping either of us individually uh on our social media i'll i'll be on my twitter the entire time yep, same um I can't promise that during the games I'm going to be. Oh, I'll be I'll be uh, watching. 
I'm going to be watching the games, and during the breaks, like my number one focus, I'm taking my 14-year-old cousin, Claire. I, she's just gotten into League of Legends. She's the one who uh, loves Fizz, if you remember that particular episode <laughs> of the podcast. Try not to hold that against her too much. Um, she just likes, we have the, the freaky fish lane where I play Nami, and she tries to have the shark pop out of the wave at the same time. That's, uh, that's how, uh, you know, kind of her depth as far as uh, quality of, of play goes. But um, that's going to be my priority during that time. But after that, anytime after the tournament, um, and, you know, and if you want to grab a quick picture, just say hi or whatever else during, like I said, just ping us. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be around and we'd love to meet as many of you guys in New York as possible. So that would be, uh, that would be very cool. Absolutely. Uh, Rasta Duffy asks, so what made the 70-minute Flash Worlds versus Cloud9 a fiesta and the 70-minute Albus, uh, Albus Knox versus Rocks not a fiesta? Uh, I think the key difference there is how we got to the 70-minute mark. Uh, Albus Knox versus Rocks, we got there because Rocks kept making insanely intelligent plays. They knew how to defend very well. Their vision around the Baron Pit was on point, so they could always contest these things. Yes, Albus Knox rushed a couple things here and there, and I think it's safe to say that they, they did not by any means play a perfect game. But what was happening is the team that was behind was making plays to come back and win and was doing so effectively, whereas the team that was ahead was trying to make plays and was still winning team fights and they defended very well so that it wasn't something where it was like a snowball effect. You never saw... You know, just, you know, Albus Knox at many attempts could have fallen apart, but they still initiated and team fought well and got some picks and everything else. It was a very close game through and through. Flash Wolves versus Cloud9 was a fiesta because for 68 minutes, Flash Wolves were the better team, but couldn't figure out how, as a winning team, to make a play on anything. They would get Barons and do nothing with them. They would get Elder Dragons and do nothing with them. They were afraid to dive. They were afraid to make plays. It's a passive scaling into the 70th minute, not an active back and forth into the 70th minute. It's that passiveness that made it such a clown fiesta because at the end of the day, Flash Wolves is so you know, so passive and so unwilling to make a play that it means that all that has to happen is Medios makes one Lee Sing kick and they lose the entire game uh so i mean honestly that to me is so much worse than a really tight back and forth and involves multiple baron steals and both teams actively trying to make plays off the map than a passive we're just going to farm and farm and farm Mm -hmm. and farm and we got baron but we take one tower and then we're done and we won't even push for an inhibitor because we're scared and then we farm and oh my god cloud nine made one play and the game was over so to me, it was that Albus Knox and um, and Rocks understood what the win condition was for Albus Knox. Albus Knox was not a siege team; they were not a tower like tanking team. Um, it was very much a, a team fight team. You look at you have some pretty short range uh, auto attacks with the Lucian and the Vladimir. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, you have some good zoning tools to go underneath the tower, but you're talking about Syndra, Alistar, Caitlyn, Trundle. Lee Sin's very good once he can get around the flanks. So that was Albus Knox kept trying to pull Rox Tigers out of their base to fight them because that is where they were strongest, and Rox Tigers refused to. That is why it went on for so long. Rox had very good wave clear. Um, they just kind of refused to come out and fight fight Albus Knox. And, and once, they, once they did, once they had the tools to get in there and they really said, okay, you know what, screw it. What do we have to lose? Um, that's when they were able to finally take down some towers, take down some inhibitors, and just kind of steamroll uh, through the game. Because once you get those inhibitor towers down, Caitlyn traps are not effective in front of your nexus. 
they can pick which tower they want to go after. They can pick which side they want to go up. And unlike the entrances into the inhibitor towers, there's not walls on either side that you can, you know, funnel the enemy team into. Um, so that I think was just both teams really understood their win conditions. They really were playing smart, uh, well-calculated play. Flash Wolves versus Cloud9 was neither team understood what they needed to do to win. And, uh, yeah, that was just what it came down to. It was a lack of understanding of what their win conditions were, and they were just too scared to execute it because at, at some point in a game, any type of game, it could be Monopoly, it could be Checkers, it could be League of Legends, it could be the Super Bowl. At some point in a game, you get to a point where you go, I don't want to lose. We've been playing this so long, it's been such a close game, I don't want to lose. And you stop realizing you have to make a play to win. And you just get yeah. to the point where you're hoping for the enemy team to, you know, whoever you're playing against to make a mistake. And when both teams are playing like that, neither team is going to make a mistake and finally, as, as Chase said, and everyone's joked, you know, finally Medios got a kick that worked. Finally, he was able to get in there and, and make something work. So uh, I, I think it was just sloppy. I think it was sloppy, scared yeah. play on Flash Wolf and Cloud9's part. And I think Rox and Albus Knox just showed an understanding of their compositions and of macro play that, uh, you know, I, that, that's it. That's basically it. That's all I have to say. Glad you found that insightful, uh, yeah. Prasadupi. I'm uh, I'm glad we could thoroughly answer that question. Forgiven um, has the highest CS per minute and lowest deaths per minute of all world's players. Just thanks for pointing that out. Yes, uh, esports DS. I, yeah, uh, that's not I a question, that. but uh, it's I not a question. Walter, it's it's Walter needed to read it. He's so one of two. I, P, he's one of two players to actually have double digit CS per minute. I can't yeah. remember the other one. I think it's I think it's Bang, to be honest. But only two players are above ten CS per minute. Yeah, so, no, it's uh, your Lord and it, Savior. Look, he's playing. He's playing his heart out. Uh, it's it's been an amazing performance so far. I want to see him do it when he's not playing in what arguably was the weakest group of the tournament. Um, but you know, I I think very highly of his performance in this tournament. I might not like him as a person, but as a player, he is damn talented. Um, I just realized we're not recording this later, so we can use curse words again. I'm record. I'm recording it to put it up on our YouTube. Oh, you're putting it up on the YouTube. Oh, that's so yeah, nice I, of you. Man. I figured we might as well. Um, this okay. isn't sponsored, actually, so we can, yeah. we can still put it up. So, but yeah. Yeah. No. So, can, can, are we allowed to use curse words? Because I mean, you dropped a dick earlier on in the whole thing. I let it slide. Oh, I don't care. Go ahead. I yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Whatever. Cool. Just 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 you know, try to be more natural for the folks at home. Um, you know, we, uh, we do well to try to be professional. Next, but, next question. Uh, yeah, Yardy's at the 10. Uh, are you getting that Cloud9 Flare gifted JK Lowell? Um, if we had <laughs> flares for this channel, I would totally gift you a flare. Um, unfortunately, I think that comes by having way more subscribers than we do. Yeah. And did you say we don't even have a subscribe button yet? We yeah, no, that, that, that you have to get partnered with Twitch. You have to have like 100 viewers for X amount of time and a bunch of like, – like there's steps that you have to do with Twitch. On YouTube, it's super, super easy. You just make a channel and you send an email. Or you press a button and say, I want to make money off this channel. And they go, okay, just follow these rules. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, here, here following is basically the same thing as subscribing on YouTube. It's just you get notified when we're live, when we upload yeah. stuff. That kind of stuff. And honestly, that's uh, that's all we can ask for you guys for now. If yeah. you follow and you know what, if you like what we do and you think you have friends that would also like what we do, tell them about us. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the one Word thing. I, I've gotten that question before of what, what can we do to help the pod. Uh, it's very simple. Tell people we exist. Um, it's, you know, we are content creators. We are not marketing majors. Um, we, you know, word of mouth means the world in this kind of industry. It's what builds a reputation. 
Uh, and we appreciate every single one of you guys that that comes out. And you know, if you bring even one, if every single one of you brought even one friend, and then they brought one friend or whatever else, it's amazing how quickly this kind of thing grows. So. Uh, we appreciate you guys for being here and, and, and all that kind of thing. And one nice. day we'll hopefully have flair for you. <laughs> it'll be me with my hands in my face whenever the LMS comes up. And it'll be Walter with his hands up, the God-given, you know, hope for EU picture that's been <laughs> on, uh, all over social media. Um, uh, you want to take the next question? Yeah. So next question from King Roman 5 uh, When we have another Korea versus Korea finals, does it diminish viewership outside of Korea? And if this trend continues, will LOL be the next iteration of StarCraft, and will CS:GO gain popularity due in, uh, due in, oh gain popularity in the West due to more Western dominance? Um, so I'll answer this in three parts. Uh, will it diminish viewership outside of Korea? Of course it will. It absolutely will. There are plenty of people like I. I have this feeling too, but I watch it because I enjoy the game and enjoy analyzing the game. Um, yeah, it really sucks seeing Korea versus Korea year in and year out. But you yeah. know what? If you want the best teams, you're kind of stuck with it. I would yeah. love to see Albus Knox or H2K make it to the finals. I, I, I have my problems with Cloud9 uh, liking certain people in the organization, but if Cloud9 made it, I'd be ecstatic. Like, yeah. if RNG or ADG made it and it was against Samsung, like, I, I would still love it. I'm still going to watch it, but it will definitely hurt uh, viewership. I don't think LOL will become the next version of StarCraft. I think it is way too uh, strong of a game just in terms of the amount of people who play it, and Riot mm -hmm. nipped the regional thing in the bud early. StarCraft yeah. waited a very, very long time to do anything about it, and by that time, the West was so turned off on the game that it is what it is right now. And I think CSGO is more popular in the West because of Europe, because it's... Going all the way back to Counter-Strike, it's been immensely popular in Europe. Um, I think shooters are just more popular in the West, period. We've always had a strong CSGO, Call of Duty, Halo scene. We see Overwatch is, is exploding, and even though the Koreans are really getting on it, at the beginning it was primarily North American and European organizations. Um, so I don't think it's a CSGO thing. I think it's just shooters are just more popular in the U.S. Uh, and in Europe just because, especially in the U.S., our obsession with guns we love well, guns. Let's so. not forget that Crossfire is one of the most popular esports that's in Korea and China. They just play different shooters than we yeah, do. Yeah, sure. We can make arguments as to why that is. I think a lot of it has to do with Valve did a very poor job of advertising to Asia for a while. It's why we're just now getting Korean Dota 2 teams. They did a very poor job when well, that game Steam, first came Steam out. Steam was hard to get into Korea and China in the yeah. first place. So it was yeah, and that's something that, you know, you have to look at Valve and, and why that happened. I mean, look, CSGO is going to keep gaining popularity because more money is being infused into it. You get things like E-League that are putting it on TBS. You know, there's a lot of great things going on in CSGO right now, and the parody is at a point where every tournament is fun to watch. Now, I happen to be of the opinion that there's an oversaturation of tournaments. I think the number of events that are being put on on a monthly basis are unsustainable for the vast majority of organizations, mm -hmm. and I think that will eventually change, but... That doesn't mean that um, that you know it's going to change overnight, or that it's going to be you know necessarily a a good or bad change. It's just going to be a change. Um, you know, as far as I have a slightly different opinion than Walter. I think if it's a Korea versus Korea finals, it's not going to change too much. Let's let's face it. We've had North America and Europe haven't made it to a finals in season two. The LCS is still growing pretty much every split. Even this split, they played way more games. 
Um, the numbers were not quite as high, at least from what you would think, but a lot of that has to do with one, the YouTube streaming ended up taking over uh, Twitch at certain points. YouTube has gotten a lot better at streaming these kind of events and people you know, have frustrations with Twitch. And since there's now a reasonable alternative outside of a Zubu, the, the numbers have been more evenly spread. Not, you know, even, certainly, but more evenly spread than you'd think. Uh, VOD watching has increased dramatically. The number of uh, views that you'd see on VODs, if you go to, you know, the LOL event VODs, YouTube, or whatever else, um, people are spending a lot of time catching up on their favorite teams, at least. So I don't think the viewership is dropping that much in the West. And with the amount of new money that's being brought in here, you know, the 76ers are going to start advertising this stuff. I think that franchising is going to be huge, and we're almost certainly getting that because otherwise we wouldn't see these big financial groups investing in league. Uh, there's too much money in it. There's too much advertising in it. The, the, pop, you know, the personalities and the popularities um, – you know, that come with these streamers, um, I, th I think they do a, you know, I, I think they're going to be just fine because, you know, people want to see their favorite players and their favorite players are still the ones that stream on Twitch and, you know, speak in English and the Cloud9 memes and all these hardcore fan bases that have been built up. I think it's going to be just fine. And, and for the record, uh, as someone who still avidly watches StarCraft, StarCraft's having a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, Neeb just won the 2016 Kespa Cup. First time a foreigner's won a Korean tournament in 16 years. Shout out USA, USA, all that fun stuff. Um, but more importantly, the viewer numbers for last year's StarCraft Championship, now that Blizzard's finally making changes, uh, has increased significantly. Um, it actually did better than the Heroes of the Storm World Championship, despite the fact that Heroes of the Storm was much more widely advertised unless you were already a StarCraft fan. So I, I think that that scene is getting better. I think that you know, we'll see if they continue to handle it well. Blizzard and esports, have, they've made some very weird decisions in the past. Uh, Riot made a lot of weird decisions in the past, but I think Tencent's whipping them into shape because there seems to be a lot of good news down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, Walter, you can replace Immortals with Cloud9 or CLG. Ooh. You get to pick, apparently. Does that Immortals team make it out of groups? Cloud9 <laughs> or CLG? I think a lot of it depends on what group you put them into. The problem is you have to account for then do does Elvis Knox Luna play as well as they do in a group with Immortals and do Flash Wheels play as poorly as they do in a group with Immortals? Like it's hard to just say straight one on one what happens because you don't know how that impacts the play of other teams in those groups. But what group would have been easiest for Immortals to get out of? I would have put him in group A. If you put if you replace CLG with them, it's probably easier for them to get out of Group A than it is for Group B. Yeah, Cloud9. I mean, CLG. Cloud9 played out of the group for a reason. Um, I don't think that Immortals would have done any better than them necessarily. I may is one of those teams that had, you know, if you wanted to be Immortals, you wanted to be overly aggressive all the time. I may lives in the chaos. They were yeah. molded by it, raised I, by. I I will say um, though, this meta would have been perfect for Huni. I, sure. I think like this meta would have been absolutely perfect for Huni, and they would have been an extremely strong team. Yeah, and um, Rainover's Olaf would have had to be perma banned. Yeah, and like you're looking at you know Poe Belter would have been Poe Belter would have been interesting. I'm not sure I would. I, I think the problem would have been Turtle's champion pool. Turtle would be in a rough place. Adrian um, would have been fine. He he would well, have just if, kept playing Soraka. Karma's, Karma's been yeah, but Soraka. Yeah, but he would have played Soraka. Great. Yes, that hasn't but that, there, there's a difference between everyone else's Soraka and Adrian Soraka, and Adrian Soraka in that team. Adrian so, Soraka in NA. 
Um, that's, I think that's, um, I think that's the difference there. I'm not as, I'm not, I don't believe in it quite as much as you do. That's fine. Um, but you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, the answer is replacing CLG in group A because CLG underperformed massively in that group. Um, they, you know, if Aphromoo plays well and lands any of his Bartolts in the first game or manages to, you know, not get caught out on some of these stay host ganks and the, you know, pin perfect graves ults, then they get out of this group. They didn't, so they don't. Sorry. Um, Immortals probably would have been less likely to make those kinds of mistakes. Um, Yardi, uh, what do you think about removing the first split and replacing it with two to three tournaments? I am absolutely in favor of it as long as those tournaments do a good job of allowing mid to lower tier teams in each of these regions a chance to actually yeah. participate. Because the problem is, and we've talked about this, we actually talked about this uh, at the beginning of our week one recap, if you guys haven't watched that. Um, the gap has closed among the toppest of top teams, but anything underneath these top three in North America, it's the same top three pretty much all the time. In Taiwan, it's the same top two. Uh, in China, we're seeing a lot of the same teams. Korea, we're seeing a lot of the same teams. Samsung being the new one this year. And KT was this close to being back there again. The best teams just keep getting stronger because the only time we have these tournaments, it's the best teams playing the best teams and they learn from each other. And the trickle-down effect, much like trickle-down economics, it does not work as well on, you know, in, you know, on paper as it does in theory. It just hasn't been as good. And honestly... I can see a world in which, you know, they organize some really nice tournaments in which it's more of a a mix of, you know, these mid-tier teams, these, you know, kind of like a mid-card in the WWE where we allow these teams to, you know, let's have some some fun where like Team Liquid goes up against Jenner, Longju and whatever else and just see how they do. Like th- this is the kind of thing you would need. It wouldn't be more tournaments where top teams play top teams. That doesn't get us anywhere. Uh, it doesn't grow the region. It doesn't fix the problem of the LCS. The problem with the LCS is that they need to have, um, you know, th- these regions need a lot more help from the bottom. You need the bottom seven teams that aren't making it to the world stage to be better quality competition so that they have better scrims so that the top teams are even that much better. And right now, the divide is just too huge. That's really the uh, I I think if you do the entire like spring as like regional qualifier type thing, and I would turn the entire summer into a giant World Cup, and have four different regions, and have teams play in each one of those different and and choose the four big regions, and maybe maybe you take like Korea hosts one of the groups, China hosts one of the groups, North American Europe split like every other year they each hold one of the groups, and then you have Taiwan and the IWC regions that can actually support like infrastructure wise host one of them and they rotate through all that. I'm, I'm really sorry to lump LMS in that, but Taiwan's tiny. It's like a little, little country and Korea's earned it because it's Korea. So that's not, that's not me bashing Taiwan, but then you just have like a huge world cup where you go, okay, so you know, you, you, you do 64 teams or whatever, and you yeah. all combine, you, you break them down, and you do like a large like group stage to get them seated, and then you put them into you know an elimination bracket, and then you choose whatever team won the year before, their region holds the top sixteen, and then you just go from there. I think you can do like a giant international tournament like that. That'd be really fun. 
it would give those like mid tier teams, even in wild card regions, experience. Um, yeah. You know, you slot a bunch of seeds to each different region, and you go from there. Like, I think that that'd be like the coolest, most fun, interesting way that I could do it to help make it entertaining and make it like, you know, right. sixteen. Well, like, you know, five months long, essentially. Well, then what you would do, and you'd do that the second split. So the first split yeah, would yeah, be yeah. seeding. Yep. And you'd say like maybe the well, top, spring spring like split the top would be six seeds from each re- of the power regions. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know LMS. You cut. You their could say seeds. four from Taiwan. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with that. Four, if you took four and, from then like two and then like two or three from each of the IWCs. Yeah. Yeah. You use that, spring. You use spring tournament. to determine which of those teams make it, and if you want to do a season, fine. If you want to do individual like weekly qualifiers, that then you take the top. X, you know, whatever X teams have the most qualifier points, like whatever. I don't really care about that. But then, yeah, you do like the entire summer split and how long Worlds is, which is like four to five months, and you just have a giant World Cup across, you know, across the world. That'd be like yeah. the coolest thing that I could come up with. And Yardi, that's exactly what we're talking about. It is like a March Madness kind of stream. That's that's exactly it's that kind of idea where we'd have the craziness for these things. Enough teams would get in, you know, when they do the group stage portion of it. You know, you could have these upsets. You know, you know what if you know Jenner matching up against like Team Liquid and Team Liquid suddenly pulls something out. Well, suddenly yeah. you know, now is Team Liquid like like the storylines would just be so much fun. Uh, the reason that will never happen is because visas are a thing, and it would yep. be very hard to have all these people. Just get up and move for like five months of the year, but in a perfect world, that'd be how they do it. And if they ever figured out the logistics of how to do it, you know, if Riot ever makes enough money where they could just buy housing, it's like here are the gaming houses. You guys don't have to worry about it for this portion of the year. Then we could have the greatest League of Legends tournament known to man, and that would be a lot of fun. Um, we're gonna have to start uh, quick hitting some of these because we're okay. getting. We're getting on there uh, in time. Uh, this, this is a, this is a really easy question for me. So uh, yeah. imagine you're Reggie for a minute and chant free LG a few times if that helps. Uh, now, after TSM's failure to get out of the group, do you revamp your roster or do you trust Hauntzer and Baya to get better and make a coaching staff change? I replaced, I fire Weldon before he even gets off the plane back to San, uh, back to San, back to LA. Uh, Parth, I would keep as an analyst because I think he's incredibly smart and he has really good rapport with the team. I go sign Daylor. Daylor wants to coach. I bring him in. Yeah. That's, that, that's literally right. what I do. I bring in Daylor. I don't want Weldon anywhere near this team anymore. Yeah. Heartbeat. Parth's a fine coach, but if you can get a better coach, that's fine. I trust Biofrost to get better. This was his yep. first split and they still managed to go three and three yep. in one of the toughest groups you could possibly put together. I don't feel like you need to get rid of him. By the way, uh, can you please pronounce the name of the TSM top laner, Walter? The people at home? Hauntzer. There you go. People I, get really mad at you. Listen, I have really to talk. Mad. I have to talk for like an hour here explaining all my thoughts. Like, I'm sorry that I mispronounce it, but it's easier to say Haunters than it is to say Hauntzer. I'm sorry. If it really tilts you that much, look, imagine I'm saying it correctly. Look, the Pokemans, it, it sticks in your head. Um I, I get it 100%. Uh, DM Top Hat, if you guys were in charge of running the NA EULCS next year, what changes would you do to make it more competitive? Um, I would, I mean, again, this would be hard to do, but I would uh, mix them up. I would do a 20-team league, and I would have EU and NA playing each other, so at the very least we get inter-regional play and different metas can play against each other. You do one split in North America and one split in Europe so that each region gets to have home field advantage, you could say, for half of the time. Um, and you just have all these teams battling head to head every week. Let's say the top eight get through. Uh, so the you know the battle to 
you know, really stay in would be a ton of fun um, just to see, you know, what portion of NA to EU teams get out. Uh, you have, you know, maybe you open up the, the borders a bit on, on how, you know, imports or whatever else. You can decide that if you want. Um, but, you know, as long as you can make the, the visas work for it, I think it would be a lot more fun and a lot more competitive to see these regions play against each other because the more metas you get to experience, the better you're likely to get. You know, you're going to learn how to play, you know, because EU and NA, they do play different styles of game. And getting to scrim against each other on a regular basis will mean that both teams get better at not only being able to adapt what makes the other region better, but also learn how to counter it, which is so huge in terms of how things go. And it's one of the reasons why Korea and China are so good, because they scrim each other all the same. Same with Taiwan. They're all right next to each other. They scrim each other all the time. If they believe a team is worth it, I don't, and that does matter. I don't think there's anything that you can do in terms of the rules, un unless you do something incredible with the structure where you get them playing more international tournaments. I don't think there's a rule. I don't think there's any sort of thing that you can do to magically make everything more competitive. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think it's the teams have to have get more efficient at practice, find better practice, find better ways to utilize ten man rosters efficiently. Um, yada, yada, yada. I don't think there's something magical Riot can do to make Europe and North America more competitive. It just doesn't exist. Um, yeah, not unless they break the borders. I'm yeah. going to leave these, combine these two questions, Walter, because they're from okay. the same person, and I think only you can answer that second one. Why Why do I not like Jack? That is not yeah. something I can discuss. There, I, yeah. there is a, I have knowledge of a story um, that, unfortunately, I can't find proof of, but... I would say there are multiple stories that you've both experienced in person. And there, in person there's a, there's about. there's a couple reasons. Um, one of them that's a little bit more shallow is that uh, when I worked with cognitive gaming, their smite teams were um, poached, taken. They weren't under contract, but they went to Cloud Nine and to TSM um, in kind of a shady manner that I didn't appreciate. And then there was another story uh, that I just can't talk about that. It's, I, uh, it's, it's really bad. I'll, I'll tell you guys, it, it's actually a really bad story if it's 100% true, which I yeah, multiple sources have told me that it's pretty pretty damn close to the truth. Um, we're not committing slander anywhere on this podcast, but, but I we but have enough reasons to I will not answer like this guy. one. Can Cloud9 get stronger or is it time to make roster moves outside of Meteos? Um, I think Smoothie might be a potential change, but I think Meteos gets replaced by Contracts. Yeah. Unless, I mean, yeah, contracts unless, is almost assuredly unless the server. new unless the new organization that buys Cloud Nine Challenger offers a ton of money for that one player, but I don't understand why they would. So yeah, I think they go with contracts. I think they keep Impact if he wants to stay in North America. Jensen and Sneaky are fine, but yeah, jungle and support positions definitely need to be changed. Depending on how things go, I think Impact could retire after the split. He could. I, that's what I'm saying. If he wants to stay in NA, like he should stay with Cloud9. I think that's yeah. A really no, good I think this is a home for him. I think Sneaky is going to stay in Cloud9 as long as he wants to play. Um, you know, there are a lot of things up in the air. Like Sneaky could decide to be a full. Like if Meteos is going to be a full time streamer, Sneaky could do the exact same thing, and they'd both make a heck of a lot of money out of it, and they wouldn't have to deal with the stress of being a competitive player, and they'd probably make more money than they make as a pro player, and the Orc would love to keep them around forever and ever. Amen. So. Whether they want to make changes or not, I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm not sure they'll have a choice. I think they might have to. Um, next question: uh, You gain control of Riot and can sell the esport to any network. Which one and why? I don't know if you're talking about television networks. That's, or if you're that's what I think they're talking about. Is television going networks. To TV. Yeah. Um, I don't really want it going to a TV network. Oh, I mean. 
I, I, I sell it. I sell the rights to it. Can I sell to HBO? Yeah, get like that, that really, works. really high quality. That like, works. Get like, uh, like Bill Simmons can be the main, the main guy nowadays on like the analyst desk. We got an entire like, at, at any given, uh, any given weekend. <laughs> it's a spinoff show. Um, I think. I mean, honestly, like there, you know, a- any TV network that would understand the importance of using the digital medium. Uh, any of the the typical like you know your network televisions Fox CBS they don't really use it very well. Oh. Uh, ABC does it by just selling to Netflix. Uh, TBS has done a very good job with yeah, Tur- Counterstrike. Turner. Turner's but, been fantastic. But at the same time, I live in Atlanta. I Turner doing fantastically with TBS um, is the exception rather than the rule, in my humble opinion of how Turner's been running their business lately. But I think um, it's I think it's you either sell it to ESPN so Disney or you sell it to Turner. Um, no matter who you sell it to, they need to have someone at the helm of it that is really into esports that really understands what esports and esports production really needs. Um, I think off the top of my head, someone like Red Eye is would be fantastic. Um, I know this is kind of memeing, but like yeah. Richard Lewis. I mean, would we him like the a commissioner? Pro- would we like a production like E-League? Yeah, who wouldn't? Absolutely. E-League's great. Oh, absolutely. I think someone like Sir Scoots um, could actually be like fantastic if he was like in charge of running the production for everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think your best your best shots are t- are Turner because they've proven they can do esports, and um, with with the Counter Strike League, with E-League, and with Overwatch, and they found some exceptional observers for that that actually made Overwatch watchable to me. And ESPN yeah. is ESPN. They already have and, the digital and, medium set up. It's and for the record, if we're going to give E-League credit, we also got to give FaceIt credit, who does yeah. all of the behind-the-scenes work for them. That's been the one big thing that's made Turner work is they understand who's best at producing the content and just let them do their thing. Yep. Um, these are going to be the last two questions of the night. Yeah, Cyranos, uh, since you're on the topic of VODs going up, do you think that a lot of that is due to the split-screen format? What do you think of the dual screens? Do you think they should go back to single screen? Uh, personally, I loathed it um, uh, because of the number of casual viewers for teams not named uh, TSM, CLG, or Cloud9 because you had to choose between one of those teams or watching some shitty Echo Fox versus Apex game. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes Riot made is they stopped taking advantage of Riot Games and Riot Games 2. Like, we had a system in place and instead they you know it was NALCS 1 and NALCS 2 and they advertised it very poorly uh it took me a while when uh when during week 1 to figure out where the games were and I cover this for a living sometimes like this is this has been a you know whether I was head coach or you know just you know doing this as an analyst and, and as a freelancer like I have I should not be struggling to figure out where you're playing your games that's that should not be a thing and I think they lost a lot of brand recognition that way that's something they certainly could have handled better uh as opposed to you know can they do a dual league um dual streams a dual, a dual streams they have to yeah. um unless you plan on doing it like the lck and making it all week long which would be great but that no, would require a riot to, i i love the way the lck does it i get one or two games a day every day it's never you know too much of a of a hassle if there's a day i want to skip i just skip that day i love i love the way the lck does it. it's so it's so counterintuitive to western sports though saturdays and sundays are sports days that's that's when you watch sports unless it's something like the nba and because they go on a weekly schedule like this instead of just a game by game schedule you can't do like it all you know throughout the entire course of the week the nba plays games every weekday the nhl that's not a weekly schedule 
They don't make they, those, those weekly schedules. Like well, the NFL would, runs on a weekly schedule. Well, you know what? MLS N- runs on a neither weekly does schedule. the LCK really. They'd have even you know an odd number of games every week. I think we should ditch the weekly schedule. I think that's it's, my I thing. Think it's too I much. would absolutely do the OGN model. It's it doesn't too much change to the number viewers. of games that are being played. But it's too it's, much to ask viewers. Like they already can't watch half the games. It'll in be this school format. nights. It's going to be school nights. It's going to be work nights. Like there's mm. a reason that they have the games on the weekends. And, and, and you're right. going to be like, but Europe's not on the weekends. Yeah, Europe's yeah, not on the weekends. I'm talking about North America. I think the way that they advertised changing the streams was awful. Um, but it made sense. I understand why they did it. But no, I, they can't go back to a single stream setup. It, it just won't work. I don't like the idea that Europe's just allowed to get screwed and North America gets to have the perfect Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule because we d- are based out of North America. It's run by a North American like, company. I'm sorry. Tough, I mean, tough toodles. Look, but that, that doesn't mean it's a good business decision. Your player base in Europe is larger than your player base in North America. Hasn't if you heard gave them, them a well-quality screen, yes, it is. It hasn't hurt them yet hasn't hurt them yet not enough that they felt the need to make a change don't know because they've never tried it they as they've said before they were running the lcs without any intent to make money they just now realize that they could have advertisements at the world championship they are terrible at knowing how to business so i don't really give them credit for the fact that it hasn't hurt them yet they have no idea no one's financially explained anything to them they just had to explain to riot trindamere that they're not making millions of dollars every year like that was a, like they are so out of touch with what is financially the most viable situation, and I trust OGN and and the production that they've done for years and years and years to create the best format. And as a viewer who watches day by day and who is very happy to do vods, I like the Korean format about a thousand percent more. It's so much better than dual streams where you are guaranteed not, not to be able to watch at least half of the games no matter what. As an analyst, I'm not a fan because that takes up so much more of my week time. Not, like, granted, can, yeah, I can plan, sit here and... You just plan your VODs the exact same way. It doesn't change anything. You still have the multiple games on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just more spread out. And you put your VODs on these days. If you want to make your Saturday and Sunday super huge on games, you just save your VODs for those days. And you watch a double speed, which is better for us analysts anyway. Um... Which, by the way, if you want to know our secret, how do we watch every game? Double speed. Double it's speed. Thing YouTube on YouTube. It's once, uh, once you know enough of the game and understand it to the level where you can, you know, you'll get there. Um, it, and it, it makes things a lot easier. Last question. Rasta Dutby. Uh, will NA eventually find talented players? Or will we continue to see the import of talented Korean and European players? Uh, those of you who remember the giant bandwave from about a month and a half ago, uh, will understand and remember that there were a whole bunch of challenger players or master tier players that had all of their accounts just completely wiped because they were caught ELO boosting. Riot has created a system in which most of the top tier North American players found it much more profitable to ELO boost, account share, all of that fun stuff than to try to make it into the LCS because the barrier to entry was insane because of how poorly the challenger scene was run in North America comparatively, because guys like Cloud9 would stack the deck with that you know, excuse for a challenger team that was the Cloud9 challenger roster, and to a lesser extent, Team Liquid Academy, though at least they tried to throw in a couple younger guys in there, and then Piglet, because of course. like, the, uh, Where are those players going to come from nowadays? I, I don't know. Um, a lot of the people that could have been promising talents 
decided that League of Legends wasn't profitable for them and aren't there anymore. So where's the new talent coming? It's not in any of the challenger teams that didn't make it into the LCS's split because those teams looked pretty darn bad. The gap between Cloud9 Challenger and everyone else was pretty massive, um, with the exception of maybe Team Liquid Academy, which choked pretty hard when push came to shove. I uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. I think Riot has, to a certain extent, irreparably damaged at least this generation's worth of NA talent because of the system that they created. And now they're going to have to work really, really hard to encourage challenger players to keep going, to keep plugging away, to keep trying to make it into the LCS. And again, the player base in North America just isn't as big as it is in Europe. You don't have regional tournaments and regional metas like they do in Europe. It's really, really, really hard if you're an aspiring North American challenger player. And I don't know. I I don't see it. I think that uh, it's the lost generation of North American talent. And if they are really franchising things the way that they plan to, I really need to hear what they're going to do about the challenger scene because Europe's doing just fine on that regard, but North America has some serious fundamental issues that need to be fixed. And if they're going to franchise and make it so that challenger teams can't even have that LCS dream to get in, there's got to be enough stability within the challenger season to justify it. And Riot hasn't succeeded in that yet, so I don't know why you would trust them to this time. But hey, we're getting replays now. Anything is possible, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he said everything I have to say. Challenger series is borked. Um, yeah. There's no reason to play in it. You just saw Team Liquid isn't going to be in it anymore. Like, There's just no reason to be in the Challenger scene, and you're not going to build up talent that way. So I'll be very anxious to see what, uh, what Riot proposes to, to fix about it. Um, the reason the European one works so well is because they can make it country-based. They can have a Spanish league, they can have a British league, they have a German league. They can do all these things that still promote amateur games, and that just does not exist in North America. Sure, you have a couple of things. You have like the the Serpentis League. Um, there was another like an Imperial League. Like, there's been a bunch of different like small leagues around, but it's just it's not enough for the for the money that you get. It's not worth the investment of your time of your energy. And I know I used to work and part, you know, help run one of those challenger leagues. Like, it's hard, especially when Riot won't be willing to work with you on it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember one one time we asked, uh, like, "Hey, what's your schedule going to be like around Worlds?" I think so we can, you know, make sure our qualifiers don't interfere, and they wouldn't give it to us. There's just, yeah. I understand you don't want to work with third parties, people. You're afraid some of that information gets leaked out, but then you have to take up the mantle of, all right, we're going to support this 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 you know, scene, we're going to make sure all this stuff works. And they never did. They kept making all these changes over and over to the Challenger series, and it just never worked. Nothing ever worked. They wanted to make it more like the LCS. That didn't work. You know, and when you have problems like Dream Team failing to pay their players and shit, and you have all these problems with all these teams not being able to afford it, and all these players signing contracts that they should have no real reason to sign, it, it's an issue. So until, yeah. until Riot takes responsibility, treats it the same way that they do the LCS, treats the players the same way they do the professional players, there's not going to be any North American talent because there's no reason to. There's no reason yeah. to you know, grind your way up into Challenger and get yourself you know, found. You can easily just boost and stream and all that kind of shit. So uh, yeah. it's been very so. disappointing. Very disappointing from Riot. But it, it is what it is. Uh, 
it's possibly their biggest mistake that nobody talks about because yeah. it's not a very sexy issue to talk about. Um, but it's there. And, I, you know, like I said, I was over, you know, coaching a team in Istanbul. I've seen the European scrim channels. I've seen just how many leagues have yeah. been able to do their thing. I've just seen, I've seen just how many quality teams have formed from the Spanish leagues to the German leagues to the Polish leagues, everything else. There's real talent out there waiting to be harvested by you know, whatever challenger system comes up next for them because the player base for Europe is massive. And it's not going to matter unless, you know, it, you know it, it, until they fix the North American side of things, until they make actually playing the game for a competitive purpose more lucrative than ELA boosting. That's going to be that. Um, but that's going to be it for us. Um, thank you guys so much. This was a really yeah. fun Q&A. Really, really great questions from you guys. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out, since we're putting this on there uh, eventually, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the final countdown. Looks like he could not join us uh, for the stream today, but he uh, was the winner of my heart this weekend. He did the reverse jinx against TSM that was so clever, even I didn't realize that he was actually reverse jinxing them. I'm so glad we can spread that uh, on to you guys. Don't care. I I, I got forgiven in Albus Knox. I don't I'm care. just saying, you have to be proud that we actually got people to understand um, what, how to reverse jinx people. And uh, winning some games, uh, he gets our man, well, you tried, because he was so excited for me when AHQ was up 8,000 gold and things then immediately went wrong. So winning some games, if you're listening to this, whenever this goes up, you know, I, I appreciate the attempt, man. But, uh, Next time, pull the final countdown instead. That's what uh, Taiwan <laughs> needs from you. But uh, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. We're glad you guys uh, enjoyed the show. It was fun. Um, we will be doing this next week. We're, again, not sure when. It will probably be about this time, I would imagine. Um, maybe a little bit later in the week because the semifinals are later in the week. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be doing our Guess the Lines episode for the quarterfinals on Wednesday. That'll go up. Probably Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, one of those two. Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, we don't, unlike last week, I, I don't expect there to be a whole bunch of movement on the lines between, you know, yeah. day one and day four because there's, you know, there aren't as many games being played. I think Unicorn's pretty resistant at that point. So, um, but we will have that. So, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, you, you guys have been here long enough. You know what I'm, you're all the things I'm about to plug. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>